You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello and welcome into another episode of the Odds and Audibles podcast. I am your host, Jared Mack. Joining me today is our good friend, Eric Scopel. And today is Monday, which means it's a Monday mailback. Eric, are you excited? I, I, I got to be honest, we haven't done one of these in a little bit and these questions are, are good. So I'm, I'm ready to get into it. Sometimes the questions are not as good. And this is a good batch. This is a very good batch. I'm excited. <laughs> Eric's high high hopes for these questions remind us that to use the hashtag Ots and Audibles hashtag on Twitter. It's easiest, easy for us to find, and it's one of the best hashtags we got. So we might as well jump right in. Uh, question number one from at Joey Bonin33. Bonin, Bonin, I'm sorry that I'm mispronouncing this, but Joey, your question is first overall. Um, Joey asks, which 2022 recruit do you expect to make the biggest impact this season? Hashtag Ots and Audibles. Thank you, Joey, again, for using the hashtag Ots and Audibles. We appreciate it. Um, Eric, I think this is, a, this is a good question. I'm not exactly – I don't know if I have a front runner for this question or for the answer, I should say. Um, but I think it could be somebody like Kyler Casper. Hmm. I think he could be like a number one kind of guy. Um, I just feel like he or Jaleel Tucker were my one and two. Um, they just feel like they're in a position where they there isn't a lot of depth and that they could make an immediate impact regardless of, you know, how talented they may be or may not be. And when you say Casper as a number one guy, you mean number one answer here, not as the team's number one receiver, right? No, he's going to be the team's number one wide receiver. Wow. It's going to be the shock of the century. It's Kyler Casper or bust. Move out of the way, Dante Thornton, Troy yes. Franklin, Chris Hudson, all those guys. Uh, I, I think, I almost think it's just like it's, a position group and my answer is whichever corner from this class is most ready probably mm-hmm. um josh connerly is probably the answer most expect here but i don't know if he's gonna play much because like i don't think this offensive line is gonna rotate that's what we've heard thus far at least in spring and i think that's i believe it i mean based upon the answer it wasn't like didn't really leave a lot of room for like we're tinkering with it it was pretty hard fast like that's not what we're gonna do um and kind of dismissive of the previous staff doing it very, not kind of, very yeah. expensive. Yeah, you know, and, and I actually probably am slightly was more understanding of why they did it than than you and Matt have been, um, just because I think it was a response to the COVID year that they ended up carrying over. Anyway, we're getting down to a topic we don't have to jump too into, but I kind of understood it, but I also think my preference always has been, like, put your best five out there, and my expectation is, despite Connerly being a five-star recruit, he's not going to be in the best five, um, left tackle of the offensive line starting spots like is the position where it's like I don't know if you have a clear-cut fit I think Stephen Jones fits there he works there we've seen TJ Bass work there as well Bass is, has basically said to Jared he prefers being an interior guy so I expect that's where he'll be um, but anyway so that's why I'm not picking Connerly and the cornerback thing I think we've talked so much about it like it's already kind of 
put out here and known is like they don't got a lot of depth and they've got a couple guys you feel good about Manning's injury maybe throws a little bit of a question mark in there although the, every all indications were positive that he can make a, a quick recovery we'll see what kind of takes mm-hmm. place this fall when we get into it maybe uh maybe we'll get something from Manning in the interim to kind of give us a better feel for that maybe maybe Manning will talk about it I don't know um but ultimately like I think there's a spot available in the two deep for a true freshman if in, in 2022 at corner like if, if you're good enough and so between Jaleel Florence, who I'd probably lean towards just because he got here first, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best prospect, um, and Jaleel Tucker and Kamari Terrell, I, I think one of those three guys is probably the answer ultimately. Um, Justice Lowe is another name just because he got here early at receiver. I agree with Jared. Like, There's room for that sort of a spot. The, I'm, you kind of think through some of the other top tier guys. Like If you go down the recruiting list, like Jordan James would have been a real easy answer like a month ago, but the running back room is filled yep. up a little, and now it's kind of like – is he best case third or fourth? Like I, I, I think it felt like he might push to be in that conversation for for two. Or obviously, it would have been two or three before they added the transfers. Um, but now I don't think he's that high up the list. The line inside linebackers, I, I think Devin Jackson and Harrison Tag are going to be good football players. But Oregon loaded there. I mean, you know, I know it was a weakness last year because of depth, but they had yeah. a year from hell from an injury perspective, and now right. they look really good. So, um, yeah, I'll go with one of the corners. I think that's totally fair. Uh, like the corner and wide receiver were the two position groups where I felt that there could be an impact guy. That's why I picked one from each of them. Um, I think Julia Florence and Julia Tucker are, I think, the most talented incoming freshmen. Uh, Kamar Terrell is another talented incoming freshman, but he's uh, more athleticism than anything else. While Julia Tucker and Julia Florence are both athletically gifted and they have skills at the quarterback position. Um, I did really think about Josh Connerly just because because of the transfers, he could be like the second string left tackle just out of necessity. I think and, he, I think he will be. I think he will yeah. be. I just don't think it's going to play very much unless someone gets hurt. Right, but that's that's the thing. There might be an injury. Could be, and that's that's when somebody like he like would, would, that's something like when Josh is going to play unless they move Dawson Jarmillo into left tackle and then they still just have him wait. Um, but his talent could be too significant to just have him sit on the bench if there's an injury. Um, I think that's a realistic possibility, but just out of pure necessity and depth, it's going to be a wide receiver or a cornerback making an incoming freshman play. Can I follow up really quick before we get to the second one? Um, I guess. Good. All right. All right. Let me <laughs> charm. Uh, I, I, I think – I think even if there is an injury at left tackle, and you brought up Jarmelo, I just wanted to say it because I think it's probably accurate. I would imagine Dawson and Josh will be fighting to be that first left tackle or that first tackle in case of an injury. My hunch is Jarmelo's experience. I mean, I was back looking at the snap. I mean, number. yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Jarmelo had almost as many snaps as the starting five guys we're talking about coming back. Like he had like 360 and these guys were in the 400 something. That's actually, by the way, if you, if you want to geek out over offensive line stuff, they do keep the by snap counts on goducks.com and go find that under the uh, media note guides. Um, but they, 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 they cap, they, they had that. And Darren Miller played so much last year that he's like a pseudo starter. So I do think like in theory, if there's an injury to a tackle, he probably slides in. And if there's an injury right. to an interior guy, it's probably, going to be Jackson Powers Johnson or Dawson because he's all played there too so um, but that would we talk about like I think 
Connerly would be on the depth chart as the second left tackle, probably, but Dawson might be the one who like actually would come in and play if that happened. Hypothetically, obviously. Right. One more name, Dave Ayuli. And then we'll 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 end it at that as a little interior alignment. Like Moving it. on to question number two from at Nash, Duckaneer. Nash, great to hear from you again. Eric and Jared, you both recently did a seven on seven mock draft, parentheses, team Mac all the way, and parentheses. I did not make that up. Duckaneer put it in there. That's kind of hurtful. That's kind of hurtful, Nash. Team Mac was just better, uh, better coaching, better drafting. We do more research. We do more advanced analytics. We're just a better overall program. Better, co- better coaching. We, we didn't even get to the coaching <laughs> part. It was a draft. So, uh, Nash continues and says, so I'm curious, who would you each take first overall in a mock 11 on 11 draft? Hashtag odds and audibles. Thanks, Nash Duckaneer, for the hashtag odds and audibles. First overall in 11 on 11 draft. It's a good question. This is a tough one. Um, I don't know who has first pick here. Um, since I'm talking, I'm going to assume it's me. Well, you, why don't you start? I had the first pick in the seven on seven, and this will make my job easier, I guess, of, of reflecting it. I think fair. Um, I will take Bo Nix first overall because I think in an 11 on 11 draft compared to seven on seven, I think quarterback is way more important it's why the best teams in the country usually have the best quarterback in the country or one of the best quarterbacks in the country um so if i can get the best quarterback on oregon's roster i'll take it eric i I, so so if i was picking first overall i would make the same pick um if i was picking now second overall we were doing this tough exercise that's where it does get difficult um two names came to mind one was a yeah. player – neither were drafted in our previous draft. Um, oh, okay. All right. One would be Noah Sewell because I just think he's your best defensive player. Um, maybe there's another name I wanted to toss out. No, I don't think that's quite there yet. The, the other is I just think offensive lines of value, and Oregon has some really good offensive linemen, and mm-hmm. I just did my whole left tackle spiel. I, I don't know if it's going to be left tackle. I just think TJ Bass is your best offensive lineman, so, like, I, I might – argue that he should be one of your first three or four picks if you're if you're doing this i think you take a quarterback almost every time in these scenarios especially when i think there's a little bit of gap but um kind of hard afterwards i, I think sewell i probably if i was doing a top three i'd go nick sewell bass probably i think that's respectable because i would honestly draft it like it were an nfl draft from my head and yeah, my head went it's like okay quarterbacks number one defensive lineman, edge rushers, number two, and then probably a cornerback, number three, and then whatever else afterwards. But for Oregon, especially this year, they don't have an elite edge guy, at least that we've seen. I mean, DJ Johnson was, you know, a second coming of, you know, Jesus Christ at the spring game. But we don't know if that's what it'll be during the season. And so I I would go with TJ Bass. I'd, I'd probably pick number two as well. Or pick number three. I guess, I don't know, it would be a toss-up between Sewell and Bass for me. I think I actually might go Bass because of yeah. Sewell's limited abilities on the defensive end as a pass coverage linebacker. That's just – I'd go higher upside. When I paused to say there was someone else I was thinking about, it was DJ Johnson because that's – I had the same thought of, like, what positions do you prioritize in hypothetical drafts? It's like edge rushers. and But I also am like, 
am I going to say he is the second or third most valuable player on the team off of one spring game, whereas you have Sewell, who's been who's a Pac-12 freshman of the year in 20. He was first team all conference in 21 and could be the butt kiss award winner this year. Certainly going to be like a name right. to know there. And then Bass was first team all conference as a left tackle last year. So that's sort of self-explanatory. DJ is a guy who, I, again, I feel like sometimes it sounds like we're being critical, but it's just like, I want to see a bigger sample size. The guy's played here forever and hasn't made a huge impact. And that's partly because I, I don't think it's all his fault. He's moved around, but mm-hmm. I'm not ready to say, again, he's like the second coming of Kayvon Thibodeau off of, off once off one spring game where he worked, you know, Bailey Jaramillo and Fayope Lalu. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I think there's a clear cut number one and then that's about it, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, where would you put Gonzalez? I think Gonzalez, Christian Gonzalez, based upon the position value, would probably be up there pretty high too. I know we're now we're going. We asked for what, like the number one overall pick, and we're now debating. Like I think we're on four pick four, four or five four, now. Yeah, I think he's up there for sure because he's the best cornerback on the team. But how good is he? Would I rather have Christian Gonzalez in the hopes that he becomes a number one corner at four, or can I get him at pick number eight? You know, like, can I wheel and deal? Can I get like seven or can I get Dante Thornton at four? Because he's, I think by far, like going to be the best wide receiver on the team. And if I have the best quarterback and the best wide receiver, that's an advantage. Even though if Eric, you might get the best cornerback, I'll take Thornton over Christian Gonzalez, which again, no disrespect to Christian Gonzalez. I just think Thornton's going to be really, really damn good. And Gonzalez, like, I don't know, like other players on the roster just don't have, like DJ Johnson, they're just not a proven defensive guy yet. He looks great. He looks the part physically. His stats are pretty good, but, you know, we have to see a full season of him at Oregon, not just at Colorado. Agreed. Yeah. Sorry, we, we went into a big rant over there. I, I love I, it. No, I think that was, I, that's what they want. I've expected us to pull out like our big board from last time and just start going through it and having a real 11 on 11. We should have just done an eleven on eleven draft right now. Just, just start, just, just started it without any planning, and it's like, oh, sorry, the rest of the questions don't get answered. It was a mailbag, and then it became an eleven on eleven draft. Our bad. Two question mailbag. All right, we're gonna make it a three question mailbag coming up uh, from at Robbie FZ four fifty. His first of two questions was, "What was the score of the seven on seven game that we drafted last week?" Great question. Uh, it was 42 to nothing Team Mac, which oh. is better. Um, Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, question number two is, uh, who is a sleeper pick to break out at each position this year? You got a that, response that, to the score? I, I, I don't think it was 42 <laughs> to nothing. Like, come on. It wasn't that lopsided. Put it in the uh, – let people – I want to hear in the comments if they thought it was that lopsided. We didn't get a lot of comments um, at, you know – I think the only person I've seen really like lay aside here of like who they thought had the better team was our buddy Nash, and he went T Mac. But you guys have like, should. you guys have history or something. You guys are like buddies, so I'm, I'm not even. Yeah, well, I, I paid him off to say that, so thank yeah. you, Nash. Yeah, good job. Well, not good job, Nash. I need I need should have paid somebody else. Um, yeah, I'm not even. Gonna, I don't. There's no. We have no idea what that would be. Um, <laughs> I, I think it'd be closer than 42 to nothing. I'll put it that way. I mean, Jared, Jared might have had a better team. I don't know if I agree with that entirely, but I don't think it would have been that lopsided. All right. Um, here's just. This is before we even get to the question. C- can Robbie explain what his Twitter handle means? FZ450. It, it's like a. I don't even have any concept of what those numbers could mean or the letters afterwards. So. 
usually I'm pretty good at guessing these. Like, I was gonna say, but this one's this one's tough. Um, anyway, all right. So let's let's get to this. this who is the super pick to break out of each position? I don't think we can do one at quarterback. To be totally honest, like I think it's probably whoever's the number two. No, AJ Abbott. Well, you just said you were you were pretty disgraceful to him last podcast. So. <laughs> He said he would never touch the football, and except for he, as I, that would be that'd be that'd be a breakout, man. Let me tell he's you what, he just, he's a sleeper. He was just been your first ball flipper guy. Um, I mean, it's it's probably a sleeper pick to break out. I mean, quarterback. I don't even know if I'm going to give one. It's probably it's probably whoever's the number two quarterback. To be honest, running back. Um, I think Irv. I really, I probably think higher than you do on Irving. Like I. Bucky Irving to transfer for Minnesota. I, I really could see a scenario where he's like clear cut number two in some games playing a lot more than people expect. Um, that would be my pick there. It would have probably before the Irving edition been no Whittington because I just think these transfers are pretty high caliber, play, caliber players. But I'm picking a player who hasn't been on campus yet, but I think Irving's a good a good choice. Do you have a – would you go the same pick there? For running back? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably throw him in there. I was I was kind of thinking Jordan James just because I really liked his highlights or I like this tape coming out of high school. Right. Um, but Irving definitely has the biggest potential, especially only being like a true or a, a second year a second year guy transferring to Oregon after almost seven hundred yards of offense at Minnesota last year. It's pretty good, but I I still think he's number three on the depth chart. I think I'm just totally sold on the Byron Cardwell Sean Dollars. I think I've seen enough during spring camp where. I think those guys are the clear cut one and two. And maybe we see Irving in fall camp, but I just fall immediately in love. And it's like, all right, he's he's number zero. He's the best one on the on the field. He's everything. He's more than number one. So we'll see. Yeah. I I think that I probably think there's a higher chance that that happens than you do, is what it sounds like. Um okay, so receiver. There's a lot of choices here and a sleeper pick means somebody. So I'm going to just dismiss all the guys who had awesome spring games from this and the guys who come back. So like, I'm not considering Hudson. I'm not considering Thornton, McGee, Franklin, or uh, Hoda. I think I missed that one. They say, yeah. those, those five guys, I'm like, they're not sleepers. So I'm not including them. So I'm including kind of like your six through nine guys. I think it's six through 10 when Casper gets here. I'm going to go with Kyle, Kyler Casper. I'm like, oh, nice. As, as, as again, not as a number one, as we jokingly said, because we're pretty careful with the, 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 some of these rankings. I don't want to like suggest like when I'm saying Bucky Irving might be a breakout player. I'm talking like seven, eight hundred yards. I'm not saying he runs for like fifteen hundred yards and is your leading rusher. And for Kyler Casper, I'm not saying he has probably more than even three hundred yards. But like I think he could show up and be your fifth or sixth guy, maybe, and be in that two deep and make contributions earlier than people expect just based upon his athleticism and kind of this, like, I think his skill set is most reminiscent of like a combination of Thornton and Coda in terms of like the length and like the catch radius and being able to make plays like that. So like maybe there's a mix of, of, of those two guys, but I think he has a chance to come in and contribute. So I'll go with, I'll go with Kyler. I think that's a good one. It's, I don't know when you were going off of like, I'm getting rid of, Dante and Seth and Troy and all those guys. You know, the list, this isn't that long after it. It was really like, you know, Justice Lowe, Josh Delgado, and Kyler Casper, and Isaiah Crocker, Isaiah Bravard, too, as like options Braveheart, for Braveheart a breakout. Was, yeah, Bravard was the um, Yeah, I like the Casper pick. Um, I like Justice Lowe. I just, I don't see time for him this year, straight up. Um, 
It's just good. It's going to be hard. I, I see an easier path for Kyler Casper because of his size and his skill and his athleticism more than I do for somebody like Justice Lowe or maybe even Isaiah Crocker and Josh Delgado. Isaiah Brevard, I think, would have been my one and two between him and Casper. I think those two, those two have a better options, again, because of their size and their versatility more than anything else. Same. And um, to Justice Lowe, I, I, this is, I'll make a quick point here. I will kind of pimp out some content we've been doing. I've been doing a early enrollee freshman kind of like who, who what they did in spring story. I wrote about Justice Lowe, I think, on Saturday. One of the points I made, it's a really small one, but I, I think it's like he was listed at 6'1 on his 24-7 sports profile, and I think he's like 5'10", 5'11". Just, just like that's my sense on that, and I hope that doesn't come across like disrespectful, but like you watch him through drills, and he's not – close to like Troy Franklin's height, which who's another guy who's like six one, six two. Like he's much closer to the Chris Hudson and Josh Elgato kind of height. So um not that that's a huge that's not that's not like why I didn't include him, but that's a kind of just an explanation for why maybe I have some skepticism. It's like I kind of thought he was gonna be a little bit longer physically than he is. He's a little more compact. All right. Um tight ends Probably one of the guys who has been hurt, I would say, like, between Herbert or Cam would be the pick. But, like, I'm not super confident either just because I haven't seen him do enough to really yeah. know. So I'm not even sure I want to pick one there. Offensive line, kind of feel the same way. Like, maybe Marcus Harper is a guy who I think – or Feope or guys who I think had strong springs who haven't really played much. But I just don't – like, Connerly, I don't see really a path. So I don't want to, like – I don't really know if it's worth picking a sleeper and like and a, a breaking out as an offensive lineman is also something that like we can talk about. Somebody had a great season as an offensive lineman, but for most fans, they just would never register. Like unless a guy comes out and is unless Connerly just like shows up in his penne Sewell immediately, no one's going to be like, "What a great yeah breakout year for an offensive lineman." That doesn't really happen. So I really have a hard time picking somebody here. So I I'll say Harper just because I thought he looked really good this spring, but there's a pretty like he's probably your fourth or fifth interior lineman on your depth chart so like i mean in terms of like you've got your starting three and then you've got jackson powers johnson and possibly dawson could be the one who'd fit in so i don't see him really playing a ton ton so i don't know if there's a good pick there either i i mean i like that you you mentioned that the marcus harper and feope lalu because i do think that they would deserve to be mentioned um there's not really a good pick. There really isn't, just like you said. Uh, I, I really, I, I'm still sad that Jonathan Dennis transferred. I was really high on him before. Um, if he were still here, hypothetically, I do think he or, or maybe even Jalen Jeffers would be the answer, just if they had strong spring camps. But yeah, there's not a clear cut number one answer here, which is kind of which is difficult, but. I guess it's probably like a Dawson or maybe a Jackson Powers Johnson because he was hurt a lot last season. And now fans and, uh, you know, the country as a whole will probably get to see him more on the field than not, hopefully. Yeah, I didn't even include him as a breakout because I kind of already thought he and Dawson had sort of arrived. But again, that's where yeah. I get, that's where I have a hard time knowing, like, what do the fans think of an offensive lineman? Because we, we're paying so close attention to this and we kind of already know Dawson and Jackson were really good last year. And they play again, like. Dawson played like 360 snaps and Jackson played like 180 or 200 snaps. So like these guys have played a lot. So I was like, I'm thinking if, if, if um, Jackson powers Johnson qualifies, I'll pick him. I think you might. Is it my turn? Defense? Yeah. Do the defense. 
All right. I guess we'll start with defensive linemen. I was thinking about starting with safety, but I, I went through it in my brain. I didn't really like it. So we'll start with defensive linemen. Um, this is a tough one because I feel like there aren't a lot of potential new guys to break free because of the depth in the defensive line. You know, Keanu Williams had a really good spring. He was always with the two deep, but then you look at it and say, was he with the two deep because he deserved to be with the two deep or was he with the two deep because three of your best four defensive linemen were out? And so then you kind of wonder, it's like, all right, well, the, were the first team linemen in spring camp, spring camp, excuse me, were they going to be on the second team? So it's a tough one for me. Um, I'm going to go with somebody who's almost like a little established already in Trevin Mai and say that I think he's going to be a breakout guy. Again, I'm not sure what our good friend Robbie FZ450 means by a sleeper pick or a breakout guy, um, but that's going to be my answer because I thought I was actually really impressed with him all spring long. He was with the number ones the entire spring. Um, you know, last year he came – he came into fall camp and spring camp, obviously, but and he was like, you know, 40, 40 pounds heavier than he had been um, since coming on campus. He looked the part. He was primarily only on rundowns. Um, he had a couple moves this spring on passing downs where I thought that he could actually be a playmaker on a passing down opposite of DJ Johnson, which I didn't expect. I just it just wasn't in my in my brain that this guy was going to be somebody who could help on a passing down. So I'm going with Trevor Mai. I think Jake Shipley could be another option. Keanu Williams, like I just mentioned. Um, honestly, I might even put Sam Taimani in here because I don't feel like enough people know about him. But he was really, really, really good during spring camp. He was a he, you know, wreaked some havoc. Yeah, I think. Uh... Taimani, if he again, it's some of this is like who qualifies. I, I was just just looking this up because I was curious. Um, and, and unfortunately, my browser's trying to load the one tab that is important to me. But uh, Trevin Maai is my like no brainer pick because I don't think people give him enough credit for how good he can be. Um, I was just trying to compare this because I think he and Swinson probably have next to, and we didn't even include Swinson because we consider him like already established, but I think he and Swinson probably had like almost identical statistical seasons a year ago. I'm trying to pull this up here, but it's not loading the Braden Swinson tab. So now I'm going to open up the overall stats and go from there. But like my eye had 20 tackles and three, two, two and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks last year. Um, this is a guy who like already has played quite a bit, but I don't think the mm -hmm. fan base is like, totally understanding of who he is yet. And I think he's somebody who can be more benefit. Like he had a great swim move in the spring game. Uh, oh, no, dude. It was a, he had a spin move too. It was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, uh, okay. So Swinson had 24 tackles, four tackles for last three sacks. And my eye had 20 tackles, two tackles, two and a half tackles for last one and a half sacks. So like from a production perspective, these guys are pretty even. And yet Swinson has talked about, rightfully so is potentially like the best pass rusher on the team. And I think my eye doesn't get a lot of conversation. So I'm, I'm on team Trevin. We already know this. I've, I've been there since for a couple of years, but I think especially this spring. And again, when I talked about justice low and his height, um, if what is he? Six one, is he five eleven? We don't have heights. Trevin, my eye, we don't have weights. And I was, I was surprised. I was just looking at what they listed him at last year. Do you know what they listed him at last year, by the way, Jared? Two five five, two sixty seven, which is higher than I thought. Because because 
I think he's put on at least 20 pounds. So he might be like 280, 285. Is, 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 I, I had said I thought he was like 275. I think he's put on like 15, 20 pounds. And I might be overstating that. Tosh talked about how much weight he put on too. He didn't give a number. But like I think, my, impressive. I think my eyes are much bigger than he was a year ago. And maybe I'm maybe, – maybe it's – Maybe he really is 275, 280, but he's he's physically changed his body quite a bit over the last four years, three years. If he were, yeah, but if he were two at 75, 280, he's listed at as like 220 on his recruiting profile. Isn't that inc- incredible? So that's like 50 pounds in three years. So yeah, he's had a huge body change. Well, and the thing the thing with him out of high school, uh, sorry, we've did a lot of Trevor Mai talk. We should move on to other positions. I just, Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. This is about Trevor Mai. This is a, this is a 30 minute trend of my eye rant. No, but the, the thing I was going to say was when he was in high school down um, in Nevada, uh, Nevada. Uh, yeah. Uh, he was a Bishop Gorman. And I talked to his position coach there. And I think he had like the, I, I have it in a story. I wish I had it pulled up. I should have been more prepared for this rant I wasn't expecting to do, I guess. But I did a profile and he had like the fastest shuttle time on the team. And it had, and that was a team that had like three three like F you know, like major power five skill position receivers on it. And he was quicker in those kind of drills. So like the coach was basically saying, if he can add weight, he could be really disruptive and he's added a lot of weight. I don't think he's obviously still that explosive, but like it, I think he's still a really good high end athlete that probably gets overlooked a little bit. So that's like, a, sorry, that that was way too much Trevor in my eye talk, but I'm, I'm leading the, leading the way there. Don't don't tell Bill Belichick about the three the three cone shuttle drill. That's his bread and butter. That's why they drafted a twenty four year old in the first round. But I digress. Anyways, we're going to move on to linebackers. Or should we go? Yeah, we'll, we'll. I just threw all the defensive linemen in together. I don't yeah. care if it was edge or D line. Uh, linebackers. This is another tough one. I, there's a couple guys I could see breaking out. Um, part of me wanted to go like Jackson LaDuke because he was hurt all of last year, was hurt in 2020 and didn't really show off who he could be until this year's spring game. Um, I feel like that's kind of an easy out. Jeffrey Boss is another one where it's kind of an easy out. There's some really good players in this linebacking position. Um, tough one. I'm going to go with Adrian Jackson. It's going to be one of the Jacksons. It's either going to be Adrian or Devin Jackson as a guy who kind of steps up and is a, you know, somebody who's a sleeper pick to kind of have a good season, like a good depth perspective season. Um, Andrew Jackson is in another position change. He's now an inside linebacker, which I think suits his body type and his skill set really well. Um, really quick twitch guy, um, not the best in coverage, but if he plays the Mac linebacker position, like with Noah Sewell and Jackson the Duke, and whoever he's with plays the money where they go out into coverage, I think that could really benefit him. And Devin Jackson is just a freak athlete. If he's on the field, he's going to make a play. He's somebody we didn't see a whole lot of, but just by his athleticism and his, I don't know, what he came like in his overall recruit rating and his talent level, he was with the two deeps or the three deeps all spring long, basically. Um, He's somebody who I could see making plays on the field, like, from sideline to sideline, just somebody who's an all-out, all-athleticism, all-running-somebody-down type of linebacker, which in the future I think he could really, really turn into something special. Yeah, I see Jackson's contribu- contributions coming on defense more in, like, 23 and beyond. Once, like, 
we haven't really talked a ton about it, but there's a chance Sewell and Flo are gone yeah. on after this year, and Jackson could be someone to really watch there. Um, I think he he and Taggart would be great picks for like special teams breakout guys, honestly, because I think those the athleticism Seven for sure on, on like a kickoff coverage thing. And we, yeah. I mean, he, Jackson ran ten five four, Taggart ran ten seven something in the hundred. Like he's these guys are athletic; these guys are really fast. Um, I'll, I'll go the Duke. Um, I also just because I, I I don't know if I've given this take before, but I've I've written it. Like, I really think if he's healthy last year and everybody else, the rest of the injuries fall the way they do. Jeffrey Boss is currently working at nickel, and we're talking about Leduc and Flo. And a can Flo beat out Leduc, who was this really impressive starter for like twelve games a year ago? And mm. Leduc is somebody who had like eighty-five tackles, and is everybody's kind of like God. I mean, Flo's like really exciting, but. This Leduc guy, we know we know what you've got here. He's proven, and that's and the conversation's totally different. Instead, it's, it's a like, hot take. well, and I don't even think it's that hot because, like, the unfortunate thing of that inside linebacker. I mean, I, I, maybe the hot part is that people are questioning flow, which I, I again I, I would lean towards flow in heartbeat because I think he's just a freak. But I just think the whole narrative around Leduc and Bassa and flow and how they're challenging each other hypothetically to start would be really different because Leduc would be considered a very much like a fixture of last year's defense, I think, if he was healthy. And Bassa would probably not even be playing the position because he wouldn't have been required to move over. Um, or maybe yeah. he would have moved over and then they would have just been like, well, Leduc is so good. Like I, Last year, what they wanted to have happen was Bassa help out a little bit but keep the door open, I think, to play some nickel and have Keith Brown be the person who fills in full-time. But Keith Brown had injury problems, didn't perform quite as well, I think the second part because of the injury problem. And so Brown never really emerged. That opened the door for Bossa to be a dude, and Bossa was a dude. So uh, I like, was a dude. I like Leduc a lot. I like him a lot. Yeah, I, I really like Leduc too, I think. I think that's an interesting perspective. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to say that that's how it would have gone. Um, but I do really like Jackson LeDuc. I do think that he's, I don't know, when you watch him play, he's like a perfect linebacker. He's exactly yeah. what you want to see out there. Um, so I think he could be, I just didn't, I just didn't really want to go with him because of how good he was at the spring game. I feel like I just wanted to have Adrian Jackson. Just wanted to show him some love, I guess, but sorry. I'm, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm kind of tired of saying Adrian Jackson's going to have a breakout season because it's just I've said it. It's been a lot of a lot of years, yeah. At the, so, and I still disrespect him because I think he's an incredible athlete. Just, just at some point, it doesn't happen. I'll carry, I'll carry the weight on my shoulders this year, and then be thoroughly disappointed. Thank you, and be thoroughly disappointed at the end of the year. Um, I'll move on to cornerbacks. This one, it's going to be one of the freshmen. I think it's as simple as that. Or it's going to be like Avante Dickerson or Darren Barkins. But there's like seven names to choose from. Maybe. Probably more like five. Um, it's – this is a tough one because there's really – all of these players could be breakout guys. I mean, Christian Gonzalez was good at Colorado. And Dante Manning has been pretty good at Oregon but none of them have had like a star season. None of them have been like a number one corner, maybe even a number two corner. Um, so any one of these guys you could say here, and I think that could fit into what breakout because they haven't had the experience or they haven't had the like seasons to match up with it. I don't know. 
I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go Dickerson because he's been he's been good. Um, that's all I got. That's that's about it. Yeah, I, I think Dante Manning's the choice. If again, this is a weirdly is he a, is he a sleeper to be a breakout? He's certainly not someone who's established. I just think the talent is so evident when you actually get to see him healthy. But the problem is that that last part is he's not been healthy really throughout his career. He was pretty healthy last year. Had some good moments, had some not so good moments too. If you go back and watch, especially some of the stuff when he was playing one on one on the outside at some kind of rough at times. But I thought he looked great to start spring and then he got hurt. And yeah. I, I really think like the talent has always been there. It's just the health thing and, and kind of rounding out some of like he's another, another one of those guys. Like you mentioned Kamari Terrell with the crazy athleticism. Like Manning is that kind of athleticism with a little bit, not a little bit, quite a bit more advanced coming in but still with somebody who you knew you knew needed to be like technically worked on, like to prove. Um, I think if assuming full health, I think he's potentially going to be really impressive and people are going to be pleased. Cause I think there's a lot of concern as there should be about corner at the moment. And I think if Manning steps up and develops into the kind of guy he was when he was a five-star recruit, people are going to feel, I think quite a bit better. Um, Dickerson would be, is a, is a really good choice as well. Cause I just think he gets overlooked sometimes. I've had this, take before on this podcast but people get excited by the 2022 recruit rankings of the t- tuckers and florence but then forget dickerson was i think ranked higher than, Better than all of them yeah. in here a year longer so why why are we suggesting one of the jaleels is going to be better than dickerson when dickerson was mm-hmm. a better recruit and a year older so but is manning a sleeper pick that's what i don't i don't know three years I don't know if it qualifies for that. Well, he hasn't really played that much is the thing. So, but he's, he's, yeah, he hasn't broken out yet. I don't know. I mean, it, I, the qualifications for this are kind of um, ambiguous. They're if, up in the air. If he doesn't qualify, I'll go with, I'll, I'll join you with Dickerson. Okay. Yeah. I like, I've been all on the Dante Manning hype train this entire yeah. spring. I've been saying that like, he's, he's, he, if he, when, once he clicks, if he clicks in the spring or in the fall, it could be, it could be a real like a number one corner for Oregon because of his athleticism and his skills. But is that a breakout? I don't know, but I'm going to move on to safeties, which is another one where I kind of just throw my hands up and be like, Oh, somebody, um, they could do it. Um, I'd pick Damon David, but he's in the transfer portal and which a lot of people were not happy about, still aren't happy about. I think it happened last week. Yet my article on DuckTerritory.com is still getting new comments, which is impressive. So that one stung a lot for a lot of people. It stings for my breakout rankings here. That's for sure. Um, I think Brian Addison could be a pick here yeah, because he hasn't really broken out. But is he a sleeper? Is the question because he's I, been the number like a number one safety all spring, and we've yeah, known about him for forever. But I don't know if everybody. Yeah, this is where what qualifies. I don't know if everybody knows that. Like, I think he and Traquez are really easy answers. Yeah, just like in in terms of breakout, because I think one or both of them will start and play a lot, and I think one or both of them are going to be pretty darn good and potentially like lead the team in interceptions. You know, be really impressive at the back end guys, but have they broken out yet? I don't think so. Are they sleepers? I mean, if you read our practice reports, they're not, but how many mm-hmm. people actually, I know the numbers based upon the, the page views. Oh, we know the numbers. We know those numbers, <laughs> but like how many people are, you know, taking that information and, and going, Oh, we, he's already a known. I, th- I think they both qualify. And I think I'll take 
Quez slightly ahead of Addison because I think Addison's going to be challenged by. Eventually, I think what'll happen is Bennett Hill Hill's going to be your nickel. Bennett will end up playing boundary, and that'll challenge Addison to start. And I think Bridges will probably be your your field safety. I think eventually that's that's my guess. That's that should be how how it goes. Because if you want the best eleven guys in the field for defense, Bennett Williams needs to be out there, and so does Jamal Hill, and so does Triquest Bridges. And whether that means moving Triquest to deep safety and battling Addison, or if that means moving Triquest to cornerback and giving them some depth and yeah. versatility, maybe it's that. Triquest was good at points last year, very similar to Dante Manning at cornerback. Good at points, not good at others. Yep. So it's a tough situation, but sure, I'll go with, I'll go with Brian Addison for my breakout safety. I think we've exhausted all the position groups. I think we've exhausted the audience too. Okay. <laughs> which is which is exactly why we're going to take a quick little break. So everybody could pause the podcast and come back whenever you like, because we're going to take a quick little break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Welcome back in to the Odds Not of Us podcast. We're currently in the middle of the mailbag. We are just through going through a sleeper position on each team or on each position this season. Um, and we're going to march right into question number four, following the break from Tim Steege 12. Sounds like a Tom Brady reference. I appreciate it, Tim. Tim asks, aside from Kayvon Thibodeau going approximately where he was expected to go, quote, although there was a lot of smoke for him to drop, end quote, or end parentheses, sorry, my brain's not working. What happened with all the other potential Oregon draft picks? Question mark. Is it a matter of bad advice or is it something else in the mix? Hashtag Oddsnotables. Tim, thank you again for using the hashtag Oddsnotables. Um, what happened to all the other Oregon draft picks? Well, they weren't draft picks. They were undrafted. Um, and I think that was, I think it was very surprising. I think it was very surprising to me. I have been the mock draft guy at duckterritory.com because I can't get enough of mock drafts. So whenever there's a basketball one um, with an Oregon player, we'll be getting that soon. Um, I already did a 2023 mock draft with an Oregon player. So I went through all of them and they all had the ones that went like seven rounds. They all had Verone McKinley and Michael Wright being drafted. Um, A few of them would have like Devin Williams, a few of them, that's about as far as it would go, frankly. I just there weren't a lot of NFL guys on Oregon's roster last season. I think that's the main part of this. There was Kayvon Thibodeau. I still think Ron McKinley's an NFL guy. Yeah. But I do think that he's, you know, he's hurt a lot from a draft perspective by his height and his other intangibles, his athleticism compared to somebody who and he's in his positional value. He's a safety, which I know is an important position on the field, but if I'm drafting a team, safety is not the most important position on the field to me. Um, like you can, you can get 
somebody who's as talented as Verone McKinley as a safety without having to use your draft capital resources to take him. That's exactly what the Dolphins did by signing him after the draft. Um, what happened with Michael Wright and, and the other players, I just don't think that they were athletically there. Um, I think they were worth taking a flyer on maybe in the later sixth or seventh round of the draft, but teams didn't. And I don't think it was a matter of bad advice. Um, yeah. I think it could be, could be their time has come. I mean, Devin Williams was in school for five years. Michael Wright was in school for four. I, I think all of these guys have already graduated. Um, it could just be that they no longer wanted to be in school. I think that they all put together probably their best best seasons this past season of what they could have been, and it just wasn't enough by NFL standards. I think it's kind of as simple as that. kind of hate that we judge these. Okay, first off, that advice part I just think is impossible to know exactly what the advice is. We're not in those rooms. But, like, also there were three players that went early. Verone has been here five years. I think Kale's only here three. He's a freshman, 19, 19, 20, 21. Um, Devin was five mm -hmm. years like Verone. Mm -hmm. Devin Williams has already talked about the fact that he wanted to make some money for his family. I think he had it. Was did his girlfriend have a child or something like that? His mom. I, there's a bunch of stuff that was going on with him off the field. So like, I think that's understandable. He wanted to try to make a living. Go for it. Um, Verone was an All American last year. He led the nation. It's hard in to get better than that. What's he going to gain by coming back? I don't get other. What, what's I, I just see so many of these arguments of, that are that feel really lazy and without really any thought put into it of like, oh, these kids got bad advice. It's like, well, no. Sometimes kids are ready to go to, to move on from college and go pro, and there's not much more they can get collegiately, and that and, and now they're going to give themselves an opportunity a year sooner to make money when there's a finite number of years that they can go out and make money. Because guess what? Entering as a 22-year-old rookie is probably better than entering as a 23-year-old rookie. You might not get drafted, so there's no guarantee money, and I understand that part. But I just think these get sort of skewed a little bit. Um, Mikhail would be the only one I, I think you can have some questions on, in part because his career is really weird. 2019, Super he was strange. awesome. You saw the speed. I thought he was going to run like 4-4. He had that 100-yard kickoff against USC. He was flying. You saw mm -hmm. some of the plays in coverage where I thought he was awesome. In 2020, his first year as a starter, he was first team all conference over players that now went like day two. Like Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie were bit behind him as the same age players. And then those guys ended up being first round. I think Gordon was a second round pick. Like these guys ended up being high draft picks. McHale, by the sophomore year, those guys, McHale was like on even footing, if not a little ahead of them, at least in terms of conference recognition. And then last year, he was honorable mention. Those two were first team. So his career is weird. Um, the, 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 the speed stuff was really surprising to me because I thought he yeah. was more athletic than he showed up to be. And so I look at this and go, I think people are – and I've had a little time to think about this. I think people are disappointed that only one player was drafted. I get that. People then try to, like, make it reductive to these players like they've been – sold bad good you know bad goods and that they're they're somehow you know basically made bad decisions i think that's i think that's really a, a silly argument to be made most of the time um i think verone and, and devon had been here a really long time what is what i don't think coming back benefits their stock that much maybe devon a slight amount maybe i don't know um and mikhail's career is weird you could probably convince me that if he came back for another year and somehow improved his speed with 
Jaworski Beckham, who's a pretty renowned speed coach. Maybe he goes higher, but I, I'm also kind of like, he was here three years. He played a lot. There's a lot of his, his he had a lot of downs on, on tape. Some yeah. of it was really good. Some of it clearly wasn't that good. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of NFL teams decided that they thought other corners were better and that's just too bad for him. But I, I don't think that there's a bad, the bad advice thing. Like I, I just think that that becomes so convenient and becomes kind of the prevailing narrative like that. Oh, these kids were convinced like against their will, they shouldn't have gone. No, these kids wanted to make some money. Now they're getting an opportunity to go do that. Yeah. Now they're really getting an opportunity to go make some money and they're still going to go play football. It's just not going to be for the university of Oregon. Um, there are plenty of undrafted free agents. I think it's just the fact that Michael Wright could have had, or well, technically all these guys could have come back except for George Moore. Um, I think that kind of sit, sits unwell with fans. The fact that they could have come back and you look Johnny at Johnson couldn't come back either. No, yeah, that makes sense too. He's he was here for quite a while. Yeah. Um, I think you look at this year's team and it's like a lot of fans think that they they could use a Devin Williams, they could use a Verone McKinley, they could use a Michael Wright for positional value and need and. But yeah, I mean, at one point, enough is enough, and these guys are going to go off and try to make it in the professionals. Um, and that's it. I don't. It's not bad advice. It's that's their life that they want to live. Um, you know, some of them could just be done with college. Yeah, they're just yeah. done with it, and they don't. You know, there's there's no need for them in their minds to go get a, a, a master's or something like that because they're going to try and go play football, and they have. You know, a good support system around them and they listen to the people that they trust and they they love and they have confidence in so they make their own decisions just like we make ours um it's just that they're put on the national stage and people can judge against them unlike our decisions that are you know more personal more private that are only judged by maybe ourselves so i, I yeah i don't it's just on it's it's just how it is and the nfl is is really really picky um, it may not seem like it a lot, but I don't think any of these Oregon players, except for Kayvon Thibodeau, had elite traits. I don't think anyone has a single elite trait to an NFL talent. And that's why they weren't undrafted compared to Kayvon Thibodeau, who had many, 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 many elite traits. All right. Should we do this last one, Eric? Let's do the last one. You had a, you had an angle on this, and, and I'll try to think of something. All right. Our final question today. <clears throat> Comes from Duck for Quacks. Thank you, Duck for Quacks. It's been a while. He asks, now that spring practices are all wrapped up, what is your cowherdiest take? It's a fun word to say, cowherdiest take, uh, that we may may all use to quote over social media all summer long, hashtag odds and audibles. Thank you, Duck for Quacks, for using odds and audibles in the hashtag. I think it's pretty simple on this one. Coach Kenny Dillingham, uh, probably five, six weeks ago at this point, um, he said that Oregon is the best, basically said that Oregon is the best college town, um, west of the Mississippi. And like, this was a place that you used or that you come to, to win championships. Um, I'm going to look up the whole, uh, the whole quote here. So I don't really mess with it. Oh yes. Here it is. <clears throat> quote. This is the only place west of Texas that has a mindset of the South when it comes to football. If you're out west, this is the only real college town that that can win championships. Now that that is a quote, and I'm sure when it when it came out, I'm sure our 
good friends on our other 24-7 message boards across the West Coast certainly had their day in the sun with that quote. But it's a good Colin Cowherd quote that I think, you know, very similar to USC just had what I've been hearing, the best practice of all time. Uh, It's a quote like that. So I think that's a pretty easy answer. I don't, I'm not sure if there's a whole lot of, a lot of other options here, Eric. Well, that quote stood out just a background. That's kind of funny. It was like Kenny had been swarmed, you know, by everybody. And then a bunch of, I think it was quarterbacks day maybe. And so like Ty and Bo and Jay were all talking. And and so Kenny, it was like literally me and Kenny and one other person. And I, just was kind of like how do you like it was usually I try to come in with some like hard-hitting questions and this was like how are you liking Eugene and he was like oh my wife just had our first child blah 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 and I was like wow that's cool how's how's everything getting kind of set up here and then he went into that quote and I was like wow okay that was not where I (laughs) thought turn oh that's a great great quote um to the question I think of cowherd is just like really overgeneralizing everything and so my guess is if you wanted to really overgeneralize the hierarchy in the Pac-12, you would first ignore Utah just because that's what national people do all the time, which mm. is which people in Salt Lake can't stand. And I think at, at this point they want they're not as ignored now, but like most years it's like USC and Oregon or Washington, which either, either team is better, and it becomes uh, they overgeneralize the strengths. And I think this would be overgeneralized to. USC has an incredible offense, but they can't play defense. And Oregon has a crappy offense, but they can really play defense because that's what the coaches are known for. And Cowherd would make it, that would be, it would simplify the Pac-12 down to, is it going to be USC's offense or Oregon's defense that wins a championship? And I think that would be his analysis if you're being really overgeneralizing the whole thing, which is unfair because I think Utah's still probably the best team. I think that's a good one. I, I realistically, if you want to have a Colin Coward take, you just talk about USC. That's all. right. You and then talk about the rest yeah. of the Pac-12. The Pac-12 does not matter. USC fight on. You lead into your your tweet. You have the Trojan fight song going on in your tweet somehow, and that's that's exactly what you're going to have as your take all summer long. And then it becomes something where Cowherd's like, I know most people say defense wins championships, but not when that offense is not against offenses like that. And that's the angle. That's that would be my Cowherd take of, you know, it comes down to USC's got this incredible offense. Oregon's got this great defense. But I know most people say defense wins championships. But have you seen that USC offense? Have you seen Caleb Williams? Have you seen all these receivers? Have you seen Travis Dye, who was on Oregon's team? They took their best offensive player and brought him over there. That would he be, didn't even want to stay. He went yeah. to USC. That would be he tenor. knew who was going to win. Yeah, it's going to be, be something like that. That. W- that would be the tenor of it, would be my guess. Well, I can't wait to place like a futures bet on Colin Cowherd, uh, USC championship predictions, and set the over-under like three and a half this season and watch the money come in. We, uh, we weren't going to bring this up because I didn't even tell you about this, but I saw PFF did its early, way too early top 25, and I just found this to be strange, a little bit surprising. They had Utah 8th, USC 9th, Oregon 25th in their top 25. Um, oh, nice. Like, I get Utah 8. USC seems pretty high at 9. I know they're talent. I know they're really talented. I just don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm – and I just think Oregon at 25 seems low. Like, I think those teams should be right next to each other, like 13 to 15 to 18 range. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I think Utah should be the front runner. I'd put them top 10. Um, but USC, I just don't know anything about their defense. I know their offense sounds magnificent on paper, 
and maybe they get Jordan Addison as well and kind of go overkill. Mm-hmm. But we've been watching USC have tremendous offensive talent on paper for the last six years. And it hasn't really amounted to anything, but we have their defense, except for that one Rose Bowl victory with our good friend, Sam Darnold, who still sees the ghosts of the New England Patriots all the time. Um, You know, we've seen it with the high profile offense of the first round picks there, and maybe they get Jordan Addison, make it even better. But I got to see it, man. I got to see it on paper. I got to see how it works. And I also have to see how Oregon's offense works against real competition and not just their own guys. Um, I think Oregon is probably higher than 25, you said it was? Yeah. I think it's higher than 25, but I don't know if it would go any lower than 16. I think that's a good position to start, I mean, considering what they lost and considering that they have to bring in all these new things. Um, you, you, just, think, you think they're in what? Sorry, 16 is the high end, you think? I think 16 is the highest I'd go with Oregon. You're like to start the season. 16 through 22 is your range probably right now. Um, I'd go a little tighter. I'd say like 16 to 19, 16 to 20. I think they're. I think that's a perfect little window. Okay, fair enough. I I don't. I really don't have an opinion because I would really need to sit down and mark down who I think is better and why to to do it. But that feels appropriate, get, considering where Oregon. Like if if we do it from the perspective of Oregon is usually ranked around a certain range, but my confidence level going into a season 16 through 20 feels pretty solid, and I could be convinced by fall camp that I'm way way under appreciating things or way over appreciating things so it's just i just think there's a lot we don't know yet even though i am really encouraged by a lot of the things we saw in spring certainly yeah well that'll do it for us at the odds notables podcast today was another fantastic mailbag we've got 56 minutes for you guys um if we didn't answer all your questions to your satisfactory please you know yell at us on twitter i'm sure we're going to reply but for jared mack and eric scopel Thank you for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you later, folks. Everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Human. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. It's just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.